1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, channel 132. You work. You save. You do homework projects. Have you ever done a diorama for a third grader, much less two? It's not easy. I didn't even know what a diorama was. You pour all your energy, your money, your blood, sweat, and tears, your love to help your children succeed to help them have an easier path than you had. So when you go meet your maker, you know you have set your children on a course as best as you possibly can to have a happy life. But these parents, stunned, when they discover that their son ends up dead. At a Florida State University pledge party? Oh, no. Uh, uh. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories, and I want justice. I want justice for this boy, Andrew Coffey, now dead. To Crime Stories investigative reporter Larry... May her. Tell me, Larry, what happened?
7: There was a party for members and pledges of the fraternity, which is Pi Kappa Phi. Now, that fraternity could not have the party at its own house because alcohol had been banned from that house by the national fraternity because of abuse. So the, the officers of the fraternity rented a house and had their party off campus as Coffee and the other pledges arrived, each was handed a full bottle of liquor and was informed that he would drink the entire thing before the end of the party. Andrew Coffee was unconscious by the end of the party and had to be carried back to the fraternity house. He was left on a sofa overnight. The next morning, a fellow pledge. Found him unconscious on the sofa, could not find a pulse, and he was later pronounced dead. You know, wait a minute,
1: wait a minute. I'm having a flashback, Larry Maher, to the recent Penn State hazing death of just a fantastic young boy who was uh, a scholar and a football player. At the works, his parents, just, you know, what can you say? Dr. Bethany Marshall uh psychoanalyst joining me from LA along with forensics expert Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, Alan the Duke, Duke in LA, and Jackie Howard here in the studio with me. Dr. Bethany, um I I, I can't even imagine coming home and there not be a John David or a Lucy to 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 look forward to. I mean, Dr. Bethany, maybe it's me, but I look so forward to them getting home from school and planning their supper and, I mean, going to John David's basketball games and Lucy's soccer games. I mean, honestly, maybe this is wrong, but it's what I live for.
8: Of course. And imagine if they weren't there. It's like your your bloodline, your reason to to live would be gone. And But not only that, Nancy. Imagine they're in a fraternity or a sorority, somebody hands them a bottle of liquor, by the next morning they have severe alcohol poisoning, not only not only do you lose your child, but you think about their helplessness, what their final hours were like, that these fraternities... The hazing ritual is just an excuse for abuse. I mean, some. I think you and I talk about having accurate language on this show, like instead of talking about sexual harassment, just call it rape. Instead of calling it hazing, call it abuse, call it sadism, call it homicidal.
1: And it's so imagine, just flat out mean and evil yes. to give a young person, a young boy a whole however big the alcohol bottle was and say drink it or else. And I mean, what about peer pressure, Dr. Bethany Marshall? I mean, the the reason all these little girls are starving themselves and and people are trying drugs and alcohol to fit in or getting body pierces or tattoos so they can fit in. Why is that so important? I don't think I ever fit in one time. Nancy, I ha I have a niece who um
8: raised by very faith oriented Christian parents, never drank alcohol. Hey, hey, up.
1: hey, 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 don't drag Jesus into this. Okay. <laughs> but uh, she had a very, very good upbringing. Okay. Wait, wait Bethany, yes. Bethany, hold on. I'm channeling my grandmother, Lucy right now. Yes. who was the ultimate teetotaler. And I would love to say this to her as a, ch- well, actually I didn't because I knew she'd get after me with a, a. Do you know what a switch is? It's a, very alan you know what a switch is it's a very thin little piece of branch off a tree And she would get after me with a switch, and I know I would feel it on the back of my legs. I I really only remember one time when I got near a busy thoroughfare without her holding my hand. That's the only time I got the switch on the back of the legs. But I always thought I might. Alan Duke, you're there. You know what a switch is. (laughs)
7: Absolutely. I've had to pick many of my (laughs) own.
1: Oh, yeah. You have to go get your own switch. I got good at finding (laughs) the
7: small weak ones. No.
1: (laughs) No, wait, wait. How did I get onto switches? What were we talking about? Wait a minute. A niece, who went. Okay. Oh, 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 yeah, right. And my brother, uh-huh. he was the the pot stirrer. Would say, but Mama, that's my grandmother. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. And that would throw her <laughs> into a fit. But she finally came up with a comeback, and it was. It wasn't fermented. Okay, you know what? So back to your friends. Go ahead, Dr. Bethany. Okay, so so my niece goes to her first year of college, has never had
8: alcohol. All of her um, roommates decide to go to a party. They hand her a bottle of vodka, and she's never really had any alcohol in her whole life. And they tell her it's a good idea to just take swigs. So she starts swigging from it, not, not even realizing how high the alcohol content was. The next thing she remembers, she wakes up on the sidewalk in the middle of the night. And she called me in a panic the next morning. And I was actually taping your show when I got the call a couple, few years ago. And I drove straight to her college. It was like a four-hour drive. I picked her up. I took her to the ER and it wasn't even just peer pressure. It was not knowing how when you drink hard alcohol that's 80 proof, you can drink very little before you get drunk. And so these kids are not even prepared to know how to handle alcohol when they come into these situations. And it's been devastating for our family. We can't imagine it, it's many years have passed. But the idea that she was lying on the sidewalk, that people abandoned her, that I had to take her to the ER, that she was humiliated, that she had to live down her reputation at the college, all of that has been devastating. So times that by a thousand and your child dies... And I, I can't even imagine what these parents are going through.
1: Joe Scott Morgan, I want to follow up on what Dr. Bethany is talking about and what Larry Mayher is telling us. How much does it take for you to get alcohol poisoning?
3: Uh, well, the, let's let's start off with just a baseline, Nancy. In most states, uh, legal drunk is .08. Uh, and this kid at one point in night, during the night was – they believe was as high as 0.55 and you start to get up into uh into the life-threatening area if you're right at about the 0.3 level so this kid had blown the roof off at this point in time by the time they did they drew the blood for autopsy it had dropped down uh to point four uh some odds. so this kid point had 0.447
1: tr- yeah. which is 0.45 which is still right considered oh, a it's, point 0.5 it's so-
3: toxic it is absolutely toxic and that's what we call it in forensics we call it acute acute alcohol toxicity or poisoning and to be forced to drink this and uh it doesn't matter if he had had a you know a steak dinner with uh, two sides of potatoes it wouldn't have been enough to absorb this amount this volume of alcohol that he's taken on board it, it is at the end of the day incompatible with life and it's a horrible way to die uh you know this kid would have been experiencing horrible waves of nausea disorientation Um, uh, just this, uh, it's not even a euphoric feel. Um, and he, he, he actually blacked out at some point in time and
1: is found dead. And again, Dr. Bethany, uh, I've told you this story before when I went away to college, my parents dropped me off. Uh, we Well, they helped me move my stuff into the room and they left. And I was just standing there. I knew nobody. I knew one boy in a boy's dorm across campus from my hometown. That was it. And then I ran into a woman from my hometown and she got me to come to a get together and I ended up joining her sorority. And I was in that sorority for uh, about a year until I transferred to go be with my fiance, Keith, who was later murdered, but when I was in Pi, which I picked up my senior year, by the way, they befriended me at my new school and were really very kind to me. There was no drinking. There was, um, they would send me violets. They would send me little cards. They would come to my dorm room and sing at pledging time. We would have little, oh, surprise, we're taking you out at six in the morning for pancake mm-hmm. breakfast. There was nothing like this. So I don't want to say all Greek is bad because that's not true.
8: Well, but but your sorority was so innocent and loving, and it's what a sorority is supposed to be. That's why I say the accurate language of that this wasn't a hazing or even a fraternity. This is a sort of a cult of abuse. I mean, that that's a better way to think of it. Um, but it sounds like you had such a
1: lovely sorority experience. You well, know, I, I did have one bad experience. What was that? Okay, with 80 Pie. Okay. Okay, I didn't get to actually join my first quarter because I was spotted kissing a boy on the M-O-U-T-H on a dance floor. (laughs) But Dr. Bethany, I mean, he had just just done an Elvis impersonation, and he sang... I can't help falling in love with you, but what could I do? I had to kiss you, him. You, okay, so, you know. You couldn't hold yourself back. Anyway, yeah, that kiss on the dance floor, that did it. Okay, I was not allowed to f- be a f- real sister for another three months. I want to go back to Larry Maher. Guys, another young boy who is just, the he's just cute as a button. This kid, Andrew Coffey found dead as joe scott morgan was describing with a blood alcohol just toxic a and i'm looking at his picture and he's just so happy and smiling it looks like he's at some get together and you know there were all, there's already trouble but when you know that your the party's been moved off campus for what Back to Larry Maher, Crime Stories investigative reporter. Is it true, Larry, that as of right now, nine FSU, Florida State Fraternity brothers, face hazing charges in the death of Andrew Coffey, a young pledge found with a blood alcohol level five times the legal limit. That's FSU. Tell me.
7: Yes, there have been nine members of this fraternity arrested they are uh, they range in age from 20 which means some of them are underage themselves to 22 and eight of them are members of the fraternity house executive council which is the governing body that organized this particular event one of them is the so-called big brother the sponsor of the the pledge, who is charged with giving him the alcohol, which in this case was more than 100-proof bourbon. Um, that's a particularly potent mixture to be giving someone who didn't. Wait a
1: minute. The big brother was involved? Yes. Dr. Bethany Marshall, um, yes, I was reading my husband's text. I was just trying to text one of our mutual friends, Happy Birthday, and I, to this day, saw a text from his, quote, big brother in his fraternity. Okay, I, get, I don't know what this means, but they're trading big green egg recipes and photos of like smoked salmon and chicken and turkey. So, you know, those are supposed to be friendships that are forged that last a lifetime. This is supposed to be the person who backs you up,
8: who protects you, who helps you have good judgment, who's a little bit older, who's sort of like a a guide through college. And yet his big brother ended up being his captor, his abuser, his torturer. I don't I don't know what, what other language to use, but it you know, Nancy, when men kill, often you have like an older sociopathic male who recruits younger members. That that's often this group psychology. So I would be interested to know. Once all the interviews take place, like what was the psychology of that fraternity? I mean, who was the ringleader? Whose idea was this? Who purchased the liquor? You know, what, who was influencing whom? Not that it really matters. I mean, a kid is dead and that is tragic. But I think that we could learn a lot through like maybe even having transcripts of the interviews and figuring out what the psychology is so that we can prevent this in the future. Uh,
7: Nancy, I I can actually address some of those questions. Jump in. Uh, Jump in. The grand jury report states that this Big Brother ritual of handing the bottle of liquor to the pledge was the purpose of this event, that all of the pledges, and there were more than 20 of them, who arrived at the event got a bottle of liquor from their Big Brother and their big brothers had gone through the same thing when they were pledges this is a tradition with this particular fraternity which might help explain why it had already been banned from serving alcohol as far as seeing the transcripts of the interviews there aren't going to be very many because most members of the fraternity refused to um, cooperate with the investigation and, and very few of them were actually interviewed during the course of the investigation.
1: Okay, that's not good. Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, Jacksonville State University professor of forensics. What have you learned from the grand jury?
3: Uh, I think uh, one of the most poignant things for me uh, was a letter uh, that was sent in uh, from the family uh, that was quite striking in this case, and it really painted a uh, a picture of a, of a young man that was uh, loved by his parents that had his entire future laid out for him. I can tell you what, uh, what is not fully stated in there that uh, we are all too aware of now is that uh, there is a culture, I think, as uh, Dr. Bethany pointed out, of uh, almost uh, sadistic behavior uh at this fraternity i find it very curious that they had to go as was earlier stated to an off-site location uh to facilitate this to have this go on well
1: there has been one development guys in addition to two other uh, fraternities being banned from campus because of illegal hazing a lifeline law a lifeline law in the wake of a another deadly hazing case, this time at FSU nine FSU students charged with felonies, accusing them of encouraging underage drinking and hesitating to call nine one one. When this boy Andrew coffee was found the next morning without a pulse. Now, Did they hesitate to call 911 because they were afraid of repercussion? If that's true, there is a big change the state of Florida could possibly make. They're called lifeline laws. And many states across the country now promise immunity from legal punishment. If somebody calls 911 during a health Emergency, even if that emergency is caused by illegal activity such as underage drinking, over half the states in our country have laws like this, lifeline laws, or they're in the middle of getting them. Florida is not one of them, but now um, University of South Florida and others have passed new policies with that that goal in mine. life lifeline laws sometimes called medical amnesty policies tell me where it stands right now to larry Maher, crime stories investigative reporter they're charged with multiple felonies what's going to happen next
7: the nine have uh, all uh, made court appearances in uh, two different courts that have jurisdiction over the florida state campus six in one county and three in another, and uh, they uh, they are in the process of preparing for the trial unless there are, um, as was the case at Florida A&M, unless there are a number of guilty pleas that are elicited during the course of the pretrial motion. Let me
1: pause in our investigation into this death of a wonderful young boy at Florida State University, and thank our partner making our investigation possible. It's LegalZoom. New Year's craziness is over. It's time now to work on your story for 2018. What will it be? LegalZoom can help you make this the year you finally get serious about launching and running your own business. They can also help you rest easier, knowing your family's future is squared away with the right estate plan. LegalZoom has been helping people just like us take care of dreams and responsibilities over 16 years. Now, LegalZoom is not a law firm, but they have the resources to keep you on the right path, including a nationwide network of independent lawyers at your fingertips. Whether you want to take your business to the next level, start your business, or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom plugs right into your life without billable hours stacking up. Because at LegalZoom, all pricing is up front. Start writing your own 2018 story at LegalZoom.com right now. And for special savings, be sure to enter promo code NANCY in the referral box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. That's LegalZoom.com, LegalZoom. Thank you not only for what you are doing for Americans across the country every single day, but being our partner today on Sirius XM 132. Everybody's taking selfies. Everybody, even my children, know how to take selfies. But did a Facebook selfie show a murder weapon? Did a Facebook selfie reveal a murder weapon to help catch a killer? Let's start at the very beginning with Alexis Terezchuk, RadarOnline.com investigative reporter. What I want to know is how a young girl, just a teen, is found Strangled dead near a landfill with a belt near her body. How does that happen? Let's start at the beginning. And I'm talking about a beautiful young girl, Brittany Gargol, a teen girl found strangled dead near a dump. Alexis Tereshchuk, what happened? How was her body discovered? She had been missing for a few days. She had been. Out with her best
4: friend Cheyenne. The two of them had been together. She disappeared. People reported her missing. The police, there was a big search. They finally found her body. But the thing was, her best friend said they had gone out and then she told the police that Brittany left with a strange
1: man, an unknown man. Well, that scenario plays out all the time. Police say they had no evidence at the get go. Nothing to corroborate any story. The two girls had gone out from a house party, had gone from one restaurant to the next, catching up with friends here, meeting new ones there. But then, according to the best friend, Brittany goes, leaves one of the bars with a man they had never met before, an unidentified man. While she, Antoine, Cheyenne Rose Antoine, goes home to her uncle. All right, that was the story, and that's what police, uh, that's the Avenue police were working. But then something very unusual happened. They had been beating the streets, trying to find this unidentified man, gathering surveillance video, going to all the bars and the restaurants in the area. Where did the two go? Did they have a tag for a car? Any identification, any description of this guy? But then the investigation took a very different turn. Vincent Hill, private investigator, when you learn a young lady has disappeared from a bar with an unidentified man, much like what happened to Natalie Holloway, what's the first thing you do?
6: Well, that's exactly right, Nancy. You want to pull surveillance. You want to talk to witnesses. You want to try to get a description of this individual you want to go to her best friend and get that description you know and the day and age that we're in now nancy it wouldn't be unlikely that she would have taken a picture of this individual to say this is the guy she left with because i don't know too many 21 year olds that let their 18 year old best friend just haul off with a complete stranger without getting some type of evidence of it in this day and age so
1: long story short The police not only have to beat the streets and interview witnesses, go from bar to bar, restaurant to restaurant, they also have to do a social media investigation. Now, how do you do that, Vincent Hill, when you don't have the girl's cell phone?
6: Well, yeah, social media is public to everybody. There's no expectation of privacy on social media. Again, with the the millennials of this day and age, I always tell my kids, the things you're doing now, I did 25 years ago. I just did it better because I couldn't post it. Uh, so everything is posted. Everything is traceable. Even when you think you have deleted it, it's still out there because it may be on someone's wall. So investigators now are using things like Facebook, Twitter to actually solve crime.
1: I mean, the two girls have been at a so-called house party, which is, you know, in a friend's home. So every single person at that house party had to be tracked down and interviewed. Like Vincent Hill says, looking for surveillance video around the neighborhoods, in bars, in restaurants, looking at bus schedules, the works, trying to figure out how this teen girl ends up strangled dead by a dump. And what a way to dispose of a body. To Dr. Carol Lieberman, a renowned psychiatrist and MD, what does it tell you that the dead teen girl's body had been discarded by a dump
9: well it says that the person who killed her um had a lot of anger had a lot of you know wanted to put her in the most disgusting place possible
1: you know what alexis teres radaronline.com i think she's right i think dr carol lieberman is right I remember the outrage when Kelly Anthony's body was found double bagged like it was trash and thrown by the side of the road. It's very, very indicative of the way the perpetrator feels about the victim to, to throw them away like they're trash, Alexis. Well, and that, that's what the, a man found the body and he
4: said, you know, he, he found her. She was cold and she was just dumped on the side of the road.
1: Vincent Hill, private investigator, you have seen your fair share of discarded bodies. What does it say to you that the killer dumped the girl's body by a a waste disposal?
6: Yeah, unfortunately, Nancy, I have seen my fair share. And, you know, it tells me, A, that they really didn't care about uh, this individual, and B, hoping that it wouldn't be found because how often... Are these locations checked, right? Unless the trash man is coming by to pick up the trash or to dump trash, these areas are not often checked, and it's not somewhere police would suspect to go look for a body.
1: Then the investigation took a surprising twist. Alexis Tereszczuk, RadarOnline.com. What happened?
4: So her best friend, Brittany's best friend, posted a picture of the two of them on facebook saying gosh where are you i miss you so much i hope you're safe please come home and then she posted a selfie of herself a little while later and investigators noticed that the selfie that she had posted she had on a belt which was the same belt that was found by britney's body a
1: belt spotted by police on a selfie the selfie seems to be the key to cracking this case. Have you seen the photo? I have. Have you seen the photo, Alexis? Yes. And she's,
4: it's a very typical to me teenage selfie. You know, the girl is standing in the mirror holding up her phone, posed to the side, kind of showing off all of her curves.
1: And, but she's got the belt on. Now, the belt that I'm seeing, the photo is a black braided belt with a big, either leather or plastic circle a black circle that you put the belt through. It is unique, Alexis. It's very unique. Police officers,
4: they actually spent a lot of time looking on her Facebook page because they, they, when she said that they went to a bar, they went and they looked at the bar surveillance and they didn't see them anywhere. So they thought, this girl is not telling the truth. Then just hours after her best friend disappeared, she posted a picture about it. So they were using her very own Facebook mining that for clues about the case. They weren't telling other people about it. They weren't putting it out there in the public saying, hey, has anybody seen this belt? Because they knew that that would be such a clue, and that's why when they saw it on her Facebook that it was
1: such a big connection. Cheyenne Rose Antoine, just 21 years old, now believed to have murdered her best friend, Brittany Gargoyle, just hours before Brittany goes missing. She, Cheyenne Rose Antoine, posts a selfie on Facebook of the two of them just hours before the dead girl goes missing. And in it, she's wearing a very unique black braided leather belt with a big round circular black buckle. I've n- I've actually never seen one like it before. But it's very, very distinct. Now, I, I, I cannot imagine what the two argued about. Was it jealousy? Was it a boyfriend? Was it who knows what it was? But we know Brittany ends up dead. Her body dumped on the side of the road by a, a, a refuse collection. Like she's trash. Now, again, she initially tells police they had been out drinking that night, going from place to place to a, to a, a house party. No, and then the gall, Dr. Lieberman, the killer, her best friend, Antoine, actually posts on Gogol's Facebook. Where are you? Haven't heard from you. Hope you made it home safe. What a big lie, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Yes, she was trying to cover her tracks, obviously.
9: But, you know, it's so interesting. I love when this happens. It's, It's poetic justice. When these criminals get caught by something inadvertent, like posting, you know, like her posting the selfie with the belt. Of course, you also have to wonder: was there part of her that wanted to get caught? That she, you know, was careless about uh, leaving, putting this picture up, even though she had left the belt with the girl, with the dead girl. So, and then of course it could be just that she was drunk and and you know she was kind of careless at the time, but still. The fact that she posted this selfie at the same time that she's uh, doing these texts, "Where are you?" It's sort of a they're opposite, you know. It's conflicting. On the one hand, did she, does she did she really want to get caught uh,
1: for this? Let me ask you, what would you, you know, as a psychiatrist, what is the label for a person that can murder their best friend, dump them by the side of the road like they're trash at a dump? And then go online posting selfies with the victim, the dead victim, and making these fake posts about where are you.
9: Well, likely she's a sociopath. Likely she had a very uh, traumatic childhood. First of all, it's unusual for uh, young girls like that to kill each other or for one to kill the other. And um, so clearly she came from a very, very traumatic childhood and one that led her to have no empathy and to be able to do this kind of thing. But then that's why I say maybe there was a part of her that felt a little guilty and, uh, could have, you know, carelessness or guilt for her to post that selfie that revealed that she was the killer. Take
1: a listen now to teen girl Brittany Gargol's stepmom as she describes the young girl now dead. The details are not going to be pretty. Um, I'm raising her seven-year-old sister who has a lot of questions and doesn't understand, so that's difficult. Brittany was very happy, um, joyful. She loved her family. Her, she has four younger sisters. She loved her friends. She spent as much time with them as she could. She was just, she was a wonderful person whose life is cut short, and it's, it's not fair. It's just not fair. Let me pause right now and thank our partner, I want to thank Superbeats, S-U-P-E-R-B-E-E-T-S. Nobody spends time thinking about their circulation. Once in a while, we'll read an article about someone having uh, a blood clot from a long plane ride and that it was a young person, and we wonder why, what happened, what's wrong with their circulation. Well, another thing about circulation, it's crucial to continued energy and stamina because circulation, your blood circulating through your body, takes oxygen and nutrients to all the parts of your body. You can exercise, you can do all your everyday activities, you can recover from ailments more quickly. But what can you do to promote that healthy circulation? Well, drink super Beats. Superbeets is a true superfood, densely rich in nutrients, and it promotes the body's own ability to produce healthy circulation, increased energy, stamina. Only Superbeets made from beets grown to exacting standards and concentrated into superfood crystals. If you want to improve your circulation, call 800-516-0683 or go to nancy'sbeets.com. N A N C Y S B-E-E-T-S dot com. And with your first order, you get another 30-day supply of Super Beats free. And indicator strips to see how Super Beats working for you. Plus free shipping. Call 800-516-0683 or go to Nancy'sBeats.com today. We have all heard of Corey Feldman, the star of Stand By Me, uh, Bad News Bears. It goes on and on. And... Corey Haim starring in Lost Boys, a whole list of famous movies. But now Corey Felman is publicly saying he will not rest until his quote promise to Corey Haim is fulfilled. He is seemingly on a crusade, and I'm I'm talking about the Star of Goonies, now forty six. Corey Feldman, in a very revealing statement, claims he is crusading to expose alleged sex abuse in Hollywood. And he claims he's speaking out on behalf also of his friend, Corey Haim. Listen.
0: Enough is enough. He will kill me. People need to know the truth. Corey Feldman has been very outspoken in recent months about the sexual abuse that he says he and many others growing up in Hollywood endured, including best friend Corey Haim. Corey asked me to make sure that if he died before me that his story was told, and I am doing exactly that.
1: That is from E! News Online. With me right now is someone who disagrees vehemently with Corey Feldman right now. Joining me is the mother of Corey Haim. Judy Haim is joining us. Judy, thank you for being with us. First of all, I cannot imagine the grief and the pain that you went through when you lost your son, Corey Haim. And I know you still feel that loss every single day. And now to have Corey Feldman as he says, honoring a promise he made to your son to expose sex abuse. To, what do you make of it, Judy?
5: Well, I have everything in kind of writing. What I make of it, it's all full of full of crap. And it goes back to the reality show.
6: Uh,
5: on, the, on the reality show, on the two quarries, um, if you go and have a good look and you really pay attention to the second season of the two quarries, you will find that... My son threw both of them, Corey Feldman and his wife, uh, from his house. They did not like each other at all. They were in odds with each other for a very long time. People need to really watch the reality show uh, very carefully because Corey Feldman sent me an email this year uh, saying like this. And we did go to his house after the show was done because he wanted, my son wanted to go and buy his uh, son Zen uh, a toy. So we went over there and he said like this, and this was right after the second season. uh, And he said, Corey asked me to tell his story. The night you guys came over to the house and Susie made you dinner. And after the show, And after the show, and we all made up, he asked me to do it because he lived his life in fear, and he said, tell my whole story and why I am the way I am. And I I just kept reading reading it and reading it, and I'm going, he claims, yeah, I remember going to his house. I was there. Uh, His assistant, Dre, happened to be there, so I called Dre, and I said, Dre, do you remember them taking off from the living room? Do you remember them going somewhere else? Do you remember my son ever telling Corey Feldman, of all people, to write his life story uh, right after the, the second season of the, the reality show, after he didn't want to have anything to do with them whatsoever? That doesn't sound like my son, and he never said anything like that. Now, he's saying it to everybody. This is the biggest lie that Corey Feldman is saying to everybody that my son told him to tell his life story. The timing, it's absolutely impossible. And at this point, I want proof. I want proof that my son signed something or said something because he got away with this life away too long. And this is how he's raising money, you know, from his campaign saying, don't worry, don't worry. Soon we're gonna find out who Corey Haynes' abuser is. But people don't seem to remember that on the two Corys, my son told me one day that he's had enough of them pointing fingers at him regarding drugs. And everybody knows, my son said it to the world, that he's on prescription drugs. Uh, But Corey Feldman was hiding it and pointing fingers, and my son had just about enough. So he told me that one day this is it on the show. On national TV, he's going to come out and he's actually going to tell Corey Feldman and surprise them with the fact that his friend, Dominic Brasha was the one that he introduced my son to as soon as they met at 15 and a half, as soon as we moved to Los Angeles. Miss
1: Haim, with me is the mother of Corey Haim, the star of many, not only movies, but TV successes. And we are talking about allegations made by Corey Feldman. Feldman claims that he is telling the story of Hame's sex abuse molestation as a child that he never got to tell. Lee Egan with me, uh, investigative reporter with CrimeOnline.com. Lee Feldman is going from one show to the next making these claims of alleged sex molestation that occurred to Corey Haim when he was a child. What what various programs has he been on? When he
10: first started the campaign, this current campaign, he was on the Today Show with Matt Lauer. Then he went to Good Morning America. And then he went to the Dr. Oz Show. And I believe he was on the radio show with uh, Sean Hannity.
5: And Megan Kelly.
1: Let's take a listen to him making these allegations with Dr. Oz. We came up with this image, this man. I'm
2: going to show you his picture. I want you just to confirm if it's the right person or not. Okay, Is that him? Mm-hmm. That's him, mm-hmm. the man who abused you. Mm-hmm. Did you give his name to the LAPD? Yes. Can I share his name with America? Uh,
0: I, I just don't want... I mean, again, I don't have legal representation yet. Then
2: let me, as the host of the show, try to reciprocate some of your braveness by sharing the name myself. Okay. The man whose picture I just showed to Corey, his name is Alfie Hoffman. What does that name mean to you?
0: Um, well, he was the guy who ran Alfie's Soda Pop Club. And uh, I met him when I was 12 years old. He came to my house to pick me up in his car, and I had heard rumors that he threw the coolest parties in town, and he was very connected, and he was the son of Bobby Hoffman, who was the top casting director at the time for one of the major studios. That studio ran many of the hit shows that were on TV at the time, from Happy Days to Laverne and Shirley to Mork and Mindy, I mean, all the top shows, and many of the shows that I guest appeared on as a kid, because I went from one show to the next to the next. So when you got an invite to go to Bobby Hoffman's private party, this was a very big thing. And the fact that his son was coming to pick me up himself was also a very big thing. And my mom ushered me into the car and said, Go have fun. And um, you know, the first few times I went it was it was fairly innocent. I mean, that's where, you know, if you read my book and you talk about the story where I started dancing like Michael Jackson, I started doing the Billie Jean and they were throwing me the hat and everybody was circling around me. And that's what started my whole music career was going to those parties and getting that feedback from people that happened at those parties. And those parties were relatively kid friendly. Uh, But interestingly, that's where I met You know, the guy that ended up molesting Haim. That's where there was a bunch of these guys. They were all hanging out together at these parties. And the thing is, there weren't a lot of parents.
1: Lee Egan, Crime Online investigative reporter. Lee, Corey Haim's mother, Judy, says that Corey Feldman is simply lining his own pockets by making these claims and leading this crusade. Is that possible is there a way for him to line his pockets
10: it is possible um i think a problem that many people had was that he's claiming there's these sex abusers out there but he has no intentions of making all of them unless he earns enough money to make what he's saying is going to be a feature film where he's going to drop the name okay wait 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 wait. what did you just say he he's raising raising money he has a indiegogo campaign and he wanted 10 million dollars first before he would expose... Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. let me understand what
1: you're saying. Dr. Bethany Marshall joining me, L.A. psychoanalyst Corey Fellman, the movie star, claims he's on a crusade to expose child molestation and sex abuse on his friend, Corey Haim, who has passed away. His mother is with us today. But he's only going to make all of the abusers' names public once he raises several million dollars. Dr. Bethany Marshall, I wanna know the truth. I want to know the truth. And if there's a child molester out there, I want to behind bars for the rest of his life. But something's not right about this. If you if you help me raise ten million dollars then I'll tell you who abused Corey Haim, who coincidentally has passed away.
5: I I wanna say something. Jump in, Judy I want everybody to remember that my son he was one of those people that if you look back at every single interview he's ever had since he started this business at 13 and a half, he told the whole world everything. He never hid anything. So he went on national TV on, on the reality show, and he actually exposed his own abuser, which was Corey Feldman's friend, Dominic Brasha. He exposed his own abuser without asking a penny. He didn't say, I want $10 million to make a movie to expose my abuser. So even after he did that, even I I went on Dr. Oz and exposed the same guy. Dominic Brasha is one person that I know that my son ever talked about. There are no more abusers out there. I want people to understand that. There was one guy, my son really uh surprised them and shocked them on the reality show saying you introduced me to your friend who abused me and you were friends with him before and you continued being his friend afterwards knowing what he did to me well when my son passed away and cory feldman was ready to write his book he told me on the phone that it's payback time
7: nancy we should note that dominique Brasia has denied emphatically that he ever had sex with him.
5: I want
8: to say something about Corey Feldman. Nancy, do you remember Randy Quaid and the Star Whackers? This was Dennis Quaid. Yes, I do. Mother. Well, I remember Randy Quaid, but I don't know
1: the other thing he's okay, so saying.
8: He became convinced that there were people in Hollywood called Star Whackers that were going to come and kill him and his wife.
1: Oh, and yes. So- it's all coming back to me. So they fled yeah. to Canada. They Did it have anything to, to do with not paying their bills in the U.S.?
8: absolutely so then they were squatting in somebody's house but there was this elaborate thing that oh somebody's going to come kill us because we're celebrities and they're called the starwhackers and they successively used this story to get out of responsibility and then I also suspected that Randy Quaid
1: may have had like a delusional disorder like been somewhat paranoid okay how am I I getting into Randy Quaid Who I would like to point out, Dr. Bethany Marshall has not treated. But what does that have to do with Corey Feldman? (laughs) Because this idea that Corey
8: Feldman has that people are going to come kill him if he doesn't tell the story, it has that similar, like uh, a factitious, malingering, making stuff up quality just to get out of responsibility and to gain notoriety. And he's injecting himself into the notoriety of his deceased friend who can't speak up for himself. So I just think it reminds me of that story because yeah. it has a similar sort of a pathetic quality.
1: To Lee Egan, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, what does Corey Feldman say to all of this? I mean, Corey hames mother, Judy, is saying this is absolutely not true. What does Feldman have to say?
10: Feldman is... Being quite rude to Judy, if you listen to his interviews, he, uh, well, actually, he made his own YouTube video where he called her a liar, challenged her to a lie detector test. Then he went on Dr. Oz and pretty much said the same things. He said she's in denial, that he's telling the truth, and Judy needs to work with him, not against him, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, the thing that bothers me is that they are not that Feldman is not naming the child molesters unless he raises X amount of money through donations. That that concerns me. And I live through it in court. If if a sex attack victim does not come forward to police, it casts a pall on the entire case. Doesn't mean it's not true, but it means you've got a credibility issue. Judy Haim, if you could speak to Corey Feldman right now, what would you say?
5: Oh, and I said it before. I said, first of all, do not speak about my kid. And I never put you in charge of my family's uh, spokesman. That's number one. It was I sent him a cease and desist letter last year, and then he became smart, and he didn't abide by it. So he went on Dr. Oz, and he said, oh, I, I can't talk about... Uh, My friend, out of respect for his mother, all of a sudden he's got respect for me. And he said, and Dr. Oz is picking up the slack frame. He goes, oh, you mean to tell me you're talking about Corey Hayes. So how does she feel about this movie coming out? And so he keeps talking about my kid. Number one, he has no business talking about my kid. And number two, I don't understand these people that kept giving him money at Indiegogo $270,000 worth of it because he says that one day he's going to expose my son's pedophile. Well, how about Dr. Oz asking him and how come nobody's ever mentioning Dominic? Why isn't anyone ever mentioning Dominic? It's like as if my son and I said nothing. And besides, I want you to know one thing my another email he i I would tell him like this i would tell him stop talking about my kid again and again and again stop talking about my kid talk about your life make a movie about your life and leave my family alone he's done enough damage to my son with this movie a tale of two quarries he was trying very desperately to rewrite my son's life history That's what he was doing. All these people, executive producers that were involved in this movie, did everything wrong. Nothing in this movie has anything to do with my son, okay? So I want you to know that I had cancer in 2009, okay? And my son was there every step of the way, every doctor, everything, everything, Throughout the whole thing, Corey Feldman sends me an email and he goes like this I can help you if you would only stop this insanity. And remember the conversation we had right before I did the book. So, unless the chemo uh, your brain. Uh, you know that I'm speaking the truth. In other words, he's blaming the chemo. He's trying to put words in my mouth. Okay, he just gets upset when I don't agree with him. There's nothing to be to agree with. And now he's telling me, I wonder if all the cancer patients are going to really like this one. The chemo screwed up with my head, so I don't remember anything?
1: With me is Judy Haim, the mother of Corey Haim, the movie and TV star Also with me, Lee Egan, Crime Online investigative reporter, and Dr. Bethany Marshall. In addition to Judy Haim, joining us now is a very close friend of Corey Haim, Greg Harrison. Greg, what do you make of Corey Feldman's claims that your friend, Corey Haim, was abused by Hollywood power players? Oh, my
2: gosh. That's a loaded question. Uh, first of all, I mean, you know, everyone comes and is attacking, and it's like a witch hunt. And where's the original sin? The original sin is a book that was written without the, approval, the legal approval, the moral approval, or even a simple blessing. And to me, it's very clear that there's an agenda to rewrite history, Um, their relationship was tumultuous. So we have heard on the phone and in other forms, you know, payback is, you know, it's revenge time. And what we're seeing played out is that, is that payback. And the the incitation of like... uh, Judy being put on trial and the scrutiny and the attack, to me, it's like, where is society standing up and saying this is wrong to be putting Judy on trial? She doesn't need to justify herself to anyone. She's not the one that wrote this book. And when is society going to stand up and say, this is not okay? And the outlandish claims that are being made, including, you know, as I have a household hold full of concubines, I'm a man of God. When is society going to stand up and say, this is not okay. We need to scrutinize this. We need to have some real private and uh, like, like some investigative reporting. Like no longer are we going to sit back and watch um, you know, the media, uh, just give someone a platform that is causing so much harm. And I mean, even to the death of my friend, when is it okay for like the art of sensationalizing for the purpose of like capitalization, the life and legacy of my dead friend, let's keep it simple, folks, my dead friend, this is what's going on. And so it's outrageous when I can tell you that a lot of this is lies, from big ones to small ones.
7: Nancy, we should note that Crime Stories has invited Corey Feldman to join us and to tell us his story and to respond to what's been said about them. While we hold out hope he'll agree, he's yet to accept our invitation or even to provide a statement.
1: We are watching as this unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible it's lisa mattress lisa's sapira hybrid has been named wire cutter's best hybrid mattress five years running for a limited time save up to 700 dollars off select mattresses plus two free pillows go to lisa.com forward slash nancy for an additional fifty dollars off mattresses and select goods that's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy thanks lisa mattress for being our partner pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible managing your diabetes just got easier the powerful new dexcom g7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone
7: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
4: No purchase necessary. VTW proof. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.